Hi, everyone, and thank you for joining us. I'm Ron Corning. Welcome to Horse Sense Street Smart Investing, the podcast based on the book by Don Hodges, Horse Sense Street Smarts. And we're joined by Clark Hodges. He's the chief marketing officer here, as well as client relations. When it's a family business, you, you wear a lot of hats, Clark, I know. And Alan Ebright, also the head of client relations at Hodges Capital Management. All right, guys, nice to see you again. Good to see you. Good to be here. All right, we're going to jump into this. This is when to hire an advisor, a question a lot of people of a certain age may have, and when to involve your adult children, which could be a bit more complicated. So we'll break that down next. But let's start with this. The timing in which you might want to hire an advisor, Clark, when do you think, is there a particular number on average that you see a stage in life among your clients? I don't know if it's a stage or I would say the amount of money that you're controlling or overseeing because there are people that get nervous at a certain level mm-hmm. and um, that's just the way it is. So I think maybe a certain asset level that makes you nervous and then you start thinking about your children and the estate and your wife and this and that and this and that, charities and so you got kind of get overwhelmed. So that's usually the way I would look at it. Is there also a situation, Alan, where someone has maybe changed jobs a couple of times? So they have some 401ks that are floating out there that haven't been rolled into any kind of investment. And they're thinking, is this the best place for my money to be? Absolutely. And, and I found that to be around age 50. Maybe some people wait till 60. The, the people that procrastinate on this wait till about a year before they're going to retire. And I actually wrote a piece that's on our site that addresses this. And yeah, when you, you maybe have a couple of 401ks that are out there, you've got an IRA this, a Roth IRA that, you know they're there, but you need to start paying more attention to them, maybe consolidate some of the things into one account. And, you know, sometimes that conversation and that help, that's the time to hire an advisor. Okay. So the the theme of this podcast is really preparing for the future and the steps to take to do that. Here is a quote from Clark's dad's book from John Wooden, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. Where is the one place you think where people most often fail to prepare their retirement accounts and their investments? You asking me? Yeah, Clark. You know, a lot of retirement plans, when you look at them, they're over diversified. And when you do roll over a 401k and you've rolled it over from your previous employer, you may have, you've had many choices from that employer as mutual funds to choose to invest in. Mm -hmm. And so you might have had 10, you might have had 12 different funds that you were using. You take a look at that, you, you analyze it, you dig deep, th- those funds are very similar. And there's a lot of uh, like equities in them. Mm-hmm. So you end up owning a lot of stocks, maybe 200 stocks per fund. That's over diversification in our mind. And then you own a lot of the same stuff. Yeah. So then you've got overlap or you're, you're in each mutual fund, you're invested in a sector of the economy that might be dragging down. So in truth, you're not really diversified by being in two different mutual funds, right? If the same stocks or the same sector are within that fund. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about this one. This is an extreme example, as you've put it here, um, Alan, but I think it's a really important one. So the husband is a do-it-yourselfer, a DIYer in terms of how he invests. His wife has shown no interest, isn't involved in those investments, trusts her husband. He has unfortunately, a mild heart attack. She doesn't even know what the passwords are to his account. So God forbid things get worse, right? 
and he were to take a turn for the worst, she wouldn't even know how to access those accounts. So these are the extreme examples of when someone reaches a point where they say, I need an advisor and I need someone to help me now. Again, not too late, but that's right on the cusp of, of, of not preparing well. Yeah, absolutely. And that is an extreme case, but that's a real case. I mean, I've been in this business a long time, so you see every type of scenario. And what I always encourage people to do is, if you're a do-it-yourselfer, at a certain point when both husband and wife are of sound mind, that's when you need to both sit down, work with an advisor, get on the same page, because these health issues can come on quickly, and then you know what's going on, and you have somebody in the loop that's watching this stuff for you when you're taking care of, right. of those unfortunate uh, health instances. Isn't, isn't there something with our social culture, Clark, and it's not right or it's wrong, it just is that people of a certain generation, like of my grandmother's generation, one was the breadwinner, the other was the homemaker, and perhaps by gender roles as defined in our culture, the men handle the finances, and it's not equitable in that way. Again, it's not a judgment, it's just right. an observation. Is that changing with a new generation of people in their 40s and 50s where it's a partnership on all levels that the wife is equally um, has equal knowledge of what the financial situation is? Yeah, I definitely think it's changed because the stock market and investing is such a big topic for a lot of people now. I'd say there's more divorces now. So a lot of more women are getting involved in, you know, what's going on with the husband and the finances. I actually have a former client and he would put a letter in the top drawer of the office desk January 1 every year to explain all the scenarios and all the accounts to his wife in case something happened to him. And I said former client because something happened to him. He's mm -hmm. gone. Yeah. So, you know, those are the kind of things that people need to consider because life can change in an instant. Yeah. Let's talk about this one. So this complicates matters a little bit more. And there are already in families issues that aren't confronted, things that we don't talk about. And one of those things is what your parents even make for a living. There are a lot of families and a lot of kids who grew up not knowing that. I was among them until I was applying for financial aid on my own and had to ask my dad for that information. So let me ask you, getting adult children involved in your investments, at least meeting the advisor who manages your finances, um, how do I put this question? What age at what age is young enough to be old enough to be able to get that information. And you want me to go on this one? Yeah, sure. Okay. Take it. I mean, it just really depends. And, and when I encourage, you know, people that are getting into their seventies, still a very sound mind, you want to get, you know, one of their, their children involved. And the reason for that is I'll give you an example. Maybe the, the husband and wife drew up a trust 20 plus years ago. They might've forgotten the terms of the trust get that thing amend, amended when everybody is still of sound mind. You have a child in, they now understand what's going on. They've met the attorney, they've met the accountant, they've now met the financial advisor, they've got to look into what's going on with mom and dad's portfolio. Mm -hmm. The biggest pushback you always get is, well, I don't know if I want my kids knowing how much they're going to potentially inherit one right. day. Well, it's better to bring one of them in, maybe not all of them, because the worst thing you could do is just do a cold handoff 
on a portfolio and a trust doc and an accountant and have your children not know what's going on. Again, these may not be easy conversations to have, but you're doing your family a favor if you have those conversations yeah. now, as you say, when you're of sound mind. Yeah. Have there been circumstances, Clark, where you've had a family's investment portfolio for a very long time, you've done well by them, the choices you've made, and the family, the adult children are unaware of what that arrangement is, how good it's been, and then somebody dies, they're left with an inheritance, and they don't know whether they should stay or go. Yeah, that happens a lot, actually, because you chose the advisor yourself. You're now gone, and they've got control of that situation. They don't know why you chose. They don't know the ins and outs of this particular firm or this particular advisor. So then they've got their person that they trust. And mm -hmm. so... If you do have that conversation and you let them know, hey, XYZ advisor, this is why I chose him. This is what I think he's good at. And this is why I think you should stay with him after I pass, if that's a conversation that you would have. It's so interesting because, again, people will have conversations whenever we broach the subject. It's always difficult, again, to talk about death and talk about what comes next. But the idea of my wishes are this seems to be pretty spelled out in other areas of someone's life what they want done with their most precious belongings, what they want, who they want to get what, et cetera. Is this something that people are starting to sort of put among their wishes? I wish for my legacy estate to continue to be managed by this particular advisor. I think it should be. I mean, now there's always ways and, you know, you get an attorney involved. There's always ways to change something that was someone's wishes. I know that happens, but at least communicate it. But I, I think it should be part of it because it does, you know, if you do this plan and you've got an advisor that you've been with for 20 or 30 years, that needs to be respected. You know, it's, it's the parent's money and it needs to be respected. Doesn't have to be, but it mm -hmm. needs to be respected from the people that inherit the money. Let's presume, Alan, that the child, the adult child approaches their parents and they express an interest in wanting to know these things. What does that conversation sound like? Um, well, I think that, that you know, it, I'm speaking in generalities here. Maybe somebody has two or three children. There's always going to be that one that's maybe a little more responsible than the others or a little more responsive to mom and dad's needs. They just need to have a very, uh, you know, relaxed conversation with mom and dad and say, I would really like to understand what's going on with your finances because God forbid something happens to one of you we want to be able to step in and know what's going on. So maybe a good idea would be on your next quarterly or annual call with your advisor, could I be on that call with you, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and yeah. listen in and get to know the advisor, him or her, and have a better understanding of, of how you two are set up as my parents. Is it appropriate or how often do you confer with your clients about that situation? I mean, do you notice from time to time if you've got a client who's gotten divorced, that there's a beneficiary on a, on a on an investment who probably shouldn't be on there. Do you red flag that? Do you have those conversations? Do you lead them down that road at all ever? Yeah, I mean, I think that that it's part of an annual checkup. You know, mm -hmm. kind of how are you doing as a client? Anything that's changed in your life? But as your clients get older just throwing it out there and saying, look, we're responsible for your money. This is your family's money. Mm -hmm. I, as an advisor, would really like to get to know one of your children so we can all be on the same page. And 
it's it's a perfectly fine question to ask. You're actually doing your client a favor by at least planting mm-hmm. that seed that you're looking out for them. Clark, I would think that that's part of what you do here regularly yeah. because it's part of the DNA of what your dad founded in this relative, I mean, in the larger scheme of things, a relatively small company. But the benefit of that is you are able to provide that personalized service and notice something and call a client and bring it to their attention and begin to have some of these conversations that seem a little more intimate, right? Right. But but really play well when you are a family-owned business. And that's that's what a good firm and a good staff will do is they'll look at those documents. It's a compliance issue on an annual basis and look at who's the beneficiary here or there and then bring that to the advisor and say, hey, maybe we should call Mrs. Jones because this is what I see. Let's just make sure it's still something they want to do. And that's what Alan's referring to as, as that annual checkup. So you do, that is a service you need to provide as a financial advisor for sure. So what we want to impart on people, I guess, as we wrap this up is really take a look at what you have in terms of your retirement. Even if you're in your forties and you don't really have a handle on it, it might be time to begin asking those questions. Do I need an advisor? What do I expect from an advisor? What's it going to cost? What's their track record? All of those questions, which of course we address here regularly on the podcast, guys. So thank you for taking us down this road. I appreciate it. You bet. Thank you, guys. Glad to be your facilitator slash producer uh, for Horse Sense, Street Smart Investing, the podcast. I'm Ron Corning. We will see you next time. Hodges Capital Management Incorporated, HCM, is an investment advisory firm registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission, SEC is a wholly owned subsidiary of Hodges Capital Holdings and serves as investment advisor to the Hodges Funds. HCM is affiliated with First Dallas Securities Incorporated, a broker, dealer, and investment advisor registered with the SEC. This discussion is not intended to be a forecast of future events and should not be considered a recommendation to buy or sell any security. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Investing involves risk. Principal loss is possible. Investing in smaller companies involves additional risk, such as limited liquidity and greater volatility. No current or prospective client should assume that information referenced in this communication is a recommendation to buy or sell any security or is a substitute for personalized investment advice from your individual advisor. HCM does not provide tax or legal advice. Consult your tax or legal advisor for any related questions. All information referenced herein is from sources believed to be reliable and is provided as general market commentary and does not constitute investment advice. This material was created for informational purposes only and the opinions expressed are solely those of HCM. HCM shall not in any way be liable for claims and makes no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced and are subject to change without notice. To learn more about the topics we covered in this episode, visit HodgesPrivateCapital.com. Continue the conversation on our Facebook page. Listen and download this episode and previous episodes on Apple Podcasts and on all other podcast platforms.